All right, we're live. Oh man, this has been a journey. We've been trying to get you on the show for quite some time. We're live in Denver. We're back after lunch. We're a little sleepy. Denver's a tough town. Mm-hmm, it's, it's, uh, it's raining. It's raining. Yep. So um, you did a great talk. You basically covered your two recent papers where uh, Coin Center came out in support of digital cash. Uh, we're obviously big fans of that here. I guess my first question is, why did it take so long to kind of get to digital cash? So, I mean, the way we see it, we've always been in support of digital cash. I mean, that's the whole reason for Coin Center, right? I mean, Coin is in the name of the organization. Um, I think until now, we haven't had a need to make an explicit case for cash. And that's because um, to date, what regulators and policymakers have been focused on um, have been in other questions related to consumer protection, investor protection, tax, right? Um, and really the question around um, uh, privacy um, and about cash as sort of censorship resistant money is one that really, you know, with Vincent guidance in 2013, kind of put that to bed. Um, and it was a good um, kind of solution or kind of good um, adjustment. And it really hadn't been reopened. And now we're beginning to get more questions about, hey, this stuff is private. Can it be used by criminals? And we wanted to say, hey, yes, it could always be used by criminals, but it's no different than cash. And that's how it should be treated. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, to date, because uh, any test of, uh, testimony you guys have ever given in front of uh, Congress or these uh, committees, Senate committees, um, I guess it's the, the final answer has always been, well, don't worry about it. Bitcoin is transparent. Yeah. So it's not even a concern. In fact, this is kind of like, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, a wet dream for for governments that kind of want to, you know, track things and 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 catch these criminals. But then, what? Why didn't it ever delve further into? Well, how about uh, anonymous currencies, or why not? Make, why weren't those arguments ever made in support of digital cash at the time? It's just because that can of worms wasn't open yet. Yeah, that's that's the answer. Um, Basically, the questions that we always got were about Bitcoin, and that's because Bitcoin, um, you know, it, it has the most mind share. Um, and so when members of Congress come and ask, they don't come and ask us about Monero or Litecoin. They come to talk to us about Bitcoin. And so we're happy to answer their questions. And quite frankly, if you look at things that law enforcement might be concerned about, like um, darknet drug markets, um, uh, you know, they're predominantly in Bitcoin. And so we focused on Bitcoin until we began to get more and more questions, right? I mean, like, we, no, we didn't bring it up, I guess. Is, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so now here we are, right? So obviously it's kind of coming more into focus. Uh, what should the Monero community be doing now? So, I mean, Coin Center is obviously uh, a great resource. They're doing great work for um, supporting uh, uh, open blockchains, permissionless, these permissionless networks. How does Monero, the message of Monero, or how does Monero kind of go out and, uh, and lobby for itself and advocate for itself uh, and, and kind of fight the fight so we can, uh, you know, kind of resist regulation and maintain ourselves as digital cash? What's, what should the community be doing? So um, it's a couple things. So number one, support Coin Center. Go to coincenter.org and support our work. And what you have to understand is um, we don't advocate for any particular company, organization, or technology. We look out for 
open permissionless blockchain networks because we're all in the same boat together. Um, it's not really possible for Congress to write a law that outlaws Zcash, but not Monero. Um, what would happen is a law that regulates all cryptocurrency or all private cryptocurrency. So we're all in the same boat. Uh, so things that you can do is number one, support Coin Center, follow what we're doing, work with other privacy preserving uh, cryptocurrency uh, projects. And I'm really excited that tomorrow we're going to have a panel that's going to be in conjunction where half the panels are going to be here at the Monero conference, half are going to be at the Zcash conference. Um, and I think there are other folks uh, in the Grin community um, uh, in some of the upcoming uh, cryptos that are privacy uh, uh, focused um, that I know are coming together and talking more among each other um, and trying to coordinate. So that's um, very good. And look, I think the most important thing the Monero community can do is continue to build, is build, build, build the software because um, uh, at the end of the day, um, the most important thing is software that has no intermediaries because, if you, because intermediaries are what is regulated. So yeah, your your thesis, uh, the arguments that you made for digital cash, uh, I thought it was. Uh, I mean, they're great. It's it, I think it's an amazing resource and it's an amazing argument to make. Uh, basically, that we need digital cash to kind of preserve open societies as we move into a more digital world. Um, what when we can compare that to Bitcoin and what the technology of Bitcoin is and the fact that it's not private or fungible at the protocol level, is Bitcoin kind of failing to live up to those ideals of being digital cash? Is there maybe a slight fear that we're um, selling Bitcoin as the solution, as something that we need to create censorship resistant for the censorship resistance for the future to kind of solve these problems uh, in the digital age where, but it might end up being the opposite, kind of like this dystopia that we're all opting into onto this transparent ledger where we then won't be able to kind of roll back, put the genie back in the bottle and all poured over to something more ideal, kind of like with the advent of the internet, right? There was always this wish that if we could go back in time, we would make things more, we would build privacy into it. So I feel like we're kind of at that crossroads now. Bitcoin obviously has the momentum. It's doing great, but it's kind of lacking some of these core tenants. What's your feeling about that? Do you think that's a problem or do you think we overcome it somehow? Yeah, you're you're asking me questions not about policy or law, but about particular technology and how it should be built. And I try not to opine on that too much because tomorrow I could be asked on a Bitcoin podcast about Monero and some technical problem Monero has, right? And isn't it really not as private as people say it is? And I don't want to basically opine on any of those things. Um, what I would say is, look, I don't, um, I, I want um, uh, these things to succeed, right? Um, I want all of these uh, things to succeed and for there to be a marketplace uh, of ideas and a marketplace for these things that um, uh, uh, folks can choose uh, among them. And what I'll say about Bitcoin is, look, um, uh, I'm not sure. So it's certainly, I think, censorship resistant. Um, and I'm not sure that uh, private, privacy is, let me put it to you this way. I think privacy is very important to the people who are working on Bitcoin. Um, they just have to pick and choose the, and prioritize um, as they work on this. Um, and so I haven't given up hope that Bitcoin will be uh, more private in the future. And quite frankly, um, 
I don't know that Bitcoin is um, so transparent today, right? Um, I think especially with like the Lightning Network and other, I think it's actually um, becoming more and more private. Okay. So you think Bitcoin is kind of fulfilling the the role of digital cash? It's it's it hasn't it hasn't lost that battle yet. Um, look, ideally, digital cash um, it would have to be bearer, would have to be person to person, and would have to be private. Um, and Bitcoin isn't as private as some of the uh, uh, potential alternatives. So yeah, I think that's that's you know easy uh, to see. Um, but I think Bitcoin has a lot of advantages, which which you know as well. So. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I think also one of the things, you, you know, you talk about uh, when you talk about kind of preserving open societies and then you talked about the NRA as being an example of an association that's kind of using um, the 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 kind of the ethos that that America was built upon in, in the right way, like constitutional law. Right. It's kind of using well, what I'm saying is without making um a, a judgment one way or another about the NRA. What I'm saying, I'm simply pointing out is that the NRA is, what is it? It is a uh, free association of people, which is protected by the constitution, um, that does what? It employs its first amendment rights, because what does the NRA do? They mostly publish and advocate, right? So they speak. So they're, they're using their first amendment rights to stand up for and defend a second amendment right, another amendment, another right in the constitution. So. Yeah, what it's doing is just clearly just political, political speech. And what Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, did is outrageous, where he basically commanded um, DFS to basically instruct banks and insurance companies and other financial institutions based in New York to stop doing business with the NRA. Mm -hmm. And why did he do that? It's not because the NRA broke any law or did anything bad. It's because they disagree with his political views and they speak against, you know, they, they speak in, in, uh, in advocacy of something that he um, disagrees with. And that's just unacceptable. Mm -hmm. um, and that's only possible because you need to have financial intermediaries today to exist as a, as an organ, as a nonprofit like that. Um, and I think, you know, today it's the NRA, but tomorrow it could be Georgia or Alabama um, uh, uh, saying that financial institutions in that state cannot do business with Planned Parenthood, right? right? Um, and there's no end to this. And so that's why you see, for example, the American Civil Liberties Union joining in the case with the NRA to challenge this in court. Um, and I think they'll probably win because I think what, what Andrew Cuomo did is terrible, but it, but it highlights you know, how much power um, – uh, government and intermediaries, by which I mean financial institutions, um, uh, have where they can just decide to cut you off. And if they cut you off, you don't get to exist as a nonprofit organization that is a political activist organization. That's wrong. Right. And which then tells you why cash, and in particular digital cash, is so right. important because it helps uh, preserve because, those liberties. Yeah, because in a world where Andrew Cuomo can do that, the NRA ceases to exist, which is why it's so important that we have cash. And physical cash, you know, it's just not um, practical, right? So, so yeah, so if NRA got cut off and you wanted to support the NRA, I guess you could mail them some cash and then they could have a room full of cash that they could then, how would they pay for their internet access? They would have to go to Verizon paying cash. It wouldn't work, right? Um, so that's why you need to have as moved to a more and more 
digital world, you need to have electronic cash. Yeah, I guess what I was trying to get at too is it, it made me also think about Monero and kind of the fight Monero, the, the association of Monero itself and how like for this conference, for example, is in Denver, Colorado, mm -hmm. in the United States, and there's been kickback from the community. Some people saying, why are we doing this in the United States? Maybe we should do this elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I kind of think the opposite, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff is really living up to the ideals of what this country was supposedly built upon. Mm -hmm. A lot of these these fights that were had in the early days of when the country, you know, when the Constitution was put together you know, to protect uh, people's individuality, to protect their liberties, the freedom of association. And this technology seems to be you know, just that it's the embodiment of that in technology that's going to allow it to be preserved as we enter into this digital age. So I just, I just think that's, yeah, and let me say this. I, um, I understand that there's, um, there are a lot of, uh, um, rules that seem pretty draconian in the U S and I think there are a lot of politicians, um, that are pretty despicable, uh, in the U S but if you look on the whole, what the regulatory environment is in the U S especially, um, after we've seen the most recent FinCEN guidance, which clearly excludes decentralized exchange, clearly excludes developers, clearly excludes miners, um, only focuses on custodial um, uh, exchanges, um, it's actually not that bad. And I and query if you're going to do it over, if you're not going to, you're going to boycott the U.S. and go overseas, where are you going to go? That's better, right? Because um, a lot of places in Europe aren't that much better. Asia is not um, uh, better, uh, uh, you know, Japan is basically telling exchanges that they shouldn't be dealing with prior preserving uh, cryptocurrency. China has banned cryptocurrency altogether. So the U.S. is actually pretty hospitable. And here in Colorado, you've got a governor, Jared Polis, um, who uh, when he was in Congress um, uh, just before he got elected uh, last year, he was a um, founding member of the Blockchain Caucus, a real champion for cryptocurrency. We work with him um, to create the Cryptocurrency Tax Fairness Act. Um, and here in Colorado, he's signed several laws into several bills into law um, that are very friendly to crypto. So I don't know. I think Denver's a great place to have uh, the conference. Cool. And yeah, I guess one last question. So is do you see a, a potential scenario where uh, Monero and these other privacy coins, which I, I don't I even like that, that term, I just yeah. like calling it digital cash, uh, where these are kind of uh, outlawed or maybe just um, kind of relegated to the point uh, where they, they're they not useful anymore because it just becomes so, becomes so difficult to use them? So um, I, I like something that um, Zuko uh, Wilcox of, of Zcash Shame um, says, and he basically says, when we moved from HTTP to HTTPS, right, with, um, uh, I think it was, um, was it Firefox? No, who did that? It was, I, I want to get it right. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to miss it. It was Netscape, of course. It was, okay. it was Netscape, right? So when so they added HTTPS, we didn't start saying, oh, you're using a privacy browser, right? No, everything was in clear text. And then some people are like, oh, no, I want to have my transactions be private. Oh, you must be hiding something. No, we just called it a browser. It's not a browser and a privacy browser. So it shouldn't be, you know, a cryptocurrency and a privacy coin, right? No, these are all electronic cash. Um, uh, and look, I think um, you can't ban them, at least in the US. Um, because but can you make them impractical? Like, yeah. oh, all right, you, you can't get it on Coinbase. There's like, it becomes very difficult to, to get and to use. Do you see that be, being a scenario? Or? Yeah, so I, I think that's absolutely a possibility um, where uh, basically um, you raise the costs for the average person to 
um, to use it. That said, you're never going to be able to completely ban it, right? Because again, we need to work on decentralized exchange, right? right? Um, uh, but I, you know, and I think policymakers should keep in mind the limits of what they can do, and keep in mind that they're probably going to be so. So here's um, here's what I think a, a regulator is considering telling the exchanges um, that they can't deal in uh, more private cryptocurrency. What I would say to them is, look, right now, um, you know who's using privacy coins because they're going, you're going to the on-ramps and off-ramps. If you get rid of that, there's people are still going to use it. You're just not going to know who's using it. And um, and so think about what's going to be better for you and your investigations and what you're trying to do. And so um, I think that kind of argument should help. Right. Kind of like you're saying, like the scenario where you're turning the light on and then all the cockroaches are now just hiding. I, I wouldn't quite say that. <laughs> well, that's the, the, push, pushing people kind of back deeper into the, the dark web, so to speak, but you're not getting rid of it. So you might as well right. keep the light on and yeah. try to work. And understand. Yeah. Yes. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, there was one, one more thought, but now, but now I, think I, I think I'm losing it. I think we covered it all. Sure. Um, thank you. Thank you My so pleasure. much. Anytime. That was great. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> you too. That was awesome. Thank you. All right.